Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God talk a lot around here at RCC River City about community. We talk about living in community and we talk about community transformation. We have a group of us trying to do that very intentionally over at Carriage House, trying to live in community and play a part in community transformation. Part of living in community, maybe the most important part, is being in relationship. Now we're trying to live in relationship with our Carriage House Life Group that we have over there, and our Carriage House Neighbors. In my work as a counselor, I talk to people on a regular basis about relationships, whether they're single and we're discussing relationships with their friends, their partners, their moms, their dads, siblings, bosses, or whether they're couples and we're talking about the dynamics of their relationships. I talk a lot about relationships. Are they getting what they need out of these relationships? Is there encouragement? Is there accountability? Is there unconditional love? Are they being challenged in healthy ways by the other people in these relationships? Are they capable of encouraging others, holding others accountable versus enabling behaviors? Are they showing unconditional love to the people they care about? Are they asking those closest to them to challenge them? I find in a lot of situations that people have had poor examples of what a healthy, loving, life-affirming relationship looks like. Thus, they have difficulty being a part of a relationship in a healthy, loving, and life-affirming way, regardless of which role they play in the relationship. The lack of a healthy example can skew how we show love in a relationship, or in what little we expect to receive as love in a relationship. If our relationships are less than healthy, it can be difficult to build community because we don't trust or we seek control 
or we place conditions on others. As I've thought about the things that hold us back in relationships and living in community, I am drawn to a relationship and a community that has outlived us all and will continue to, the relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. From before the moment of let there be light, this relationship has been showing us how to love one another in the healthiest, most loving, and life-affirming way. More than that, the Trinity has always wanted to include us in this relationship. So it's more than just do what I do or act like me. It's a live with me and work with me and talk about this with me kind of relationship. We're not watching an episode on TV or a play on a stage and copying what we see. We're invited to live with the playwright and set designer and actors and director and learn how to perform our own play. Now over the Advent season, we incorporated art and creative expression into our services. Whether we sang songs with a choir or we showed pictures of artwork or we had Luke up here to paint in service or had Tamara reading her poetry, We've considered how art can be expressions of spiritual experiences or understandings that can, in turn, inspire us to contemplate the truth of God. There's a piece of artwork from the 15th century by Andrei Rublev. I apologize if I'm butchering that name. Andrei Rublev, that depicts the Trinity. Some of you may be familiar with it. Others may not. Here it is here. Richard Rohr highlights this work in his most recent book, the divine dance. You can see the three persons of the Trinity depicted here. The one in gold is God, the one in blue is Jesus Christ, and the one in green is the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not a work necessarily that would draw you in if you prefer people to look like people in a modern portraiture sense, but what I've learned about this picture is fascinating to me. Some art historians who have studied this iconic piece have suggested that there is something missing from the painting as it exists today this rectangle at the bottom of the painting. Can you show that? I've circled it here for you. Some historians believe that there was something glued to the painting there when it was originally done. They suggest that the artist glued a piece of mirrored glass to the original work there. So when one looked at this painting of the Trinity, you saw yourself in the painting. You saw yourself sitting at the table with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You were invited to their table. That, to me, is a mind-blowing idea. So God the Father, who we often associate with the wrathful God of the Old Testament, wants me to eat at his table. Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, wants me to sit at his table. The Holy Spirit that teaches and encourages and corrects and leads me wants me to sit at this table. What does that say about the Trinity? And have I misunderstood something all these years? The answer to that last question is yes, a resounding yes, because the Trinity is a huge mystery on many levels, not the least of which is how true it is, and yet there's no specific mention of the Trinity in the Old or New Testament. We're not going to unpack the Trinity today, because as I just mentioned, the Trinity is mysterious and gets cheapened a bit if we try to put it in a box or drop the three persons of the Trinity into their own respective buckets. What I want to have us think about today is the idea of the Trinity as a relationship, rather than try to define what each person is responsible for. We have a tendency to look at the Trinity as a cosmic math problem. 
when we don't approach the Trinity as, a, as the mystery that it is to be contemplated and lived through, we try to solve the math problem and define the factors to hold it captive. But the Trinity is more about relational oneness that we are invited into. When we pray in Jesus' name or through Christ our Lord, we are standing in Christ's place in this relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit and taking part in what God is doing or wants to do through us. We are participating in the life of God, the abundant life that Jesus invites us into. But let's go back to the Torah first. We have that Numbers. I'm going to go to Numbers, chapter 6. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Here we see that the Lord regards us. He looks at us. In the context of the Rublev painting, he looks across the table right at us and brings peace. Not judgment, not condemnation, not wrath. He says, you are mine. After all, he did create us. We are part of this relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. And he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. The psalmist calls all of creation to praise the Lord who created every living thing, who placed the stars in the sky. Again, the trinity that existed before the utterance of let there be light. The psalmist is reminding us that God is worthy of praise just because he created us. Now, some of you may be shifting in your seats thinking, yeah, thanks for creating me to deal with this life, with my life. If we're honest with ourselves, though, that mindset speaks from a place of aloneness, as if you're in this by yourself. The idea of Trinity as relationship can encourage us that we're not alone. We were never created to be alone. We were never left alone. We were created for relationship with the Trinity from the outset. Remember the creation story and how God walked among Adam and Eve. He lived with them. They had a relationship. And they were free to engage that relationship or not engage that relationship. They chose a different path and from that moment, God the Father severed all ties with humanity. 
right? No. That's what some of us think happened, though. That's the why of Jesus, right? I can recall the classic four spiritual laws tract that used to be handed out by Campus Crusade on university campuses everywhere, talking about this chasm between God and humanity and Jesus dying on the cross to bridge that chasm. So obviously God separated himself from us after the bite of the apple, right? But thinking about Adam and Eve and life before and after the fall, they were told not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What's that about? Right? Isn't that conditional love? You can eat of all this stuff except that one tree. Don't eat that tree. Right? If you eat that tree, that's bad. That sounds conditional. I thought we were told that God is all about unconditional love. But what did we gain by eating from that tree? We gained an arrogance. We gained the certainty that I am right and you are wrong. We gained us and them. We gained I am good and you are evil. Right? After all, we should know. We ate from the tree that gave us that knowledge of good and evil, right? But look at what havoc that has wreaked. The instruction not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil was this celestial, don't put your hand on the hot stove. An instruction from someone who knew what we would do with that knowledge or what could happen. An instruction from someone who knew we would burn our hand on that hot stove. But the reality of the Trinity declares to us that nothing could be farther from the truth than this idea that God cut himself off from humanity after the fall. God loves us and has always been pursuing us. We were created in the image of God after all. I'm sure at some point you've heard the metaphor for the unbeliever as someone who has this God-shaped hole in their heart or somewhere in their body and that belief that Jesus fills that hole, right, with the holy spackle or something, I guess. I'm not sure that metaphor applies to us as much as we think it does. As I was praying this week about this message and contemplating this idea of the God-shaped hole, I got this image of those little sponge capsules. Some of you parents may have seen these at the store, may have got them for your own kids. They come in this package. They're bright-colored pills. You place them in warm water in a bowl, and the water breaks down the capsule, and this tiny sponge inside fills up with water and expands, revealing the true shape of this thing. That, to me, is a better metaphor for the image of God quality that we all have. And when we enter into the living water, that seed is nourished and grows and reveals what it was intended to be. The image of God in each of us reminds us that there is a part in all of us that is connected to the creator and always has been. There is in all of us the seed of relationship. He calls us by name. He draws close to us. We can choose not to engage like Adam or Eve. Or we can step into the relationship as Jesus shows us and the Holy Spirit guides us. All right, let's look at Isaiah, chapter 63. I will tell you of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. He said, surely they are my people children who will be true to me, and so he became their savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. In all their distress, he too was distressed. God suffers with us. 
We like to think of the almighty God, the white-haired, white-bearded God on the throne, dishing out retribution, keeping track of our every mistake. But we've lost sight of another aspect of, of who God is. Right? Hear me, another aspect of who God is. I'm not saying God's not almighty. He is almighty. But there's another aspect to it. The, right? And the mystery of the Trinity. Right? There's another aspect to that. And what that means for us. We've lost sight of the vulnerability of God. God is all vulnerable as much as he is almighty. The concept we have in our mind of an almighty God is hard to access when we're in pain or someone we love is in pain and nothing happens. Where's all this might God possesses? And what do I have to do to make him use it? Remember, we talked about how the relationship of the Trinity is a model for us in a way about, in a way about how to practice relationship. If we want healthy relationships, we have to be vulnerable. But anyone who is vulnerable is bound to suffer at some point in some way. Through that suffering, though, comes redemption. That's the message of the cross, death and resurrection. We'd like our resurrection without the death. Thank you very much. That reminds me of a lyric from this band, uh, Iron and Wine. There ain't a penthouse Christian wants the pain of the scab, but they all want the scar. But it doesn't work that way. The transformative work that results in redemption comes through suffering, right, after death. If we view the Trinity as the relationship it is, we see the all-vulnerable God pouring out into his Son, right? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. His Son gives up his God clothes to come live among us. We just celebrated that reality during Advent. Parents who send their kids to school can relate, whether it's the first day of kindergarten or the first day of college. They leave the nest, and it's painful, right? Jesus comes down. God lets Jesus come down here. Jesus comes down here. He's rejected and crucified. The all-vulnerable God who suffers, suffers with us from a place of understanding, a place of empathy. We underestimate the vulnerability of God sometimes because we project what we want from our almighty God. But God has a tendency to demonstrate his power by empowering his creation. We see it in nature. The seasons demonstrate death and resurrection every year. Nothing is wasted. Winter ends and spring blooms. We see it in the sun that provides energy for all of life here on earth. But the sun is dying. And in its dying, we are sustained. The Trinity's three-part harmony replicates itself all over the fabric of creation. I just mixed two metaphors there. Don't hold it against me. Even in the basis of cellular life, the proton, neutrons, and electrons working in concert together, spinning around, keep us upright. Any infilling we experience is a product of the self-emptying of God. And when we suffer, the Trinity that suffers too fills us with peace. From that place of peace, we can trust that, God, that what God has ordained is good. Because God is good. God is for us. That is what faith is, learning to live without knowing, often without knowing the why. We've developed a vocabulary of sorts here at River City to help foster in all of us a means to living out of this idea of Trinity as relationship. Living in love, word worship and prayer, disciples making disciples, community transformation, and creating space. Those are just words that help us enter into what the Lord is doing and wants to do through us. 
It can help us experience his peace in the midst of chaos. It can help us feel the pain around us without debilitating us. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, I think if we focus on the reality that we are part of this relationship with the Trinity, we begin to understand that we are part of this circle of life and death, surrender and redemption, suffering and love, that allows us to persevere through the trying times and celebrate the victories and have peace amidst the chaos around us. Because we know that nothing is wasted. Nothing's been wasted since the beginning of time. I'm reminded of the song uh, by the birds. They put music behind a great passage from Ecclesiastes. Do we have that? all we can afford. So let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Out of death comes resurrection. Out of pain comes healing. Life is a process. I say that all the time when I'm counseling people, and they love it. <laughs> and that's the transformative power of the Trinity at work in us and in everything around us. The relationship of the Trinity has been self-emptying and infilling over and over and over again for billions of years. Amidst all the ups and downs of life, what are we to do? I have a little secret for you. Huddle up. Huddle up! We don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read.
write poetry because we are members of the human race. And the human race is filled with passion. And medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. It's a quote from Whitman. Oh, me. O oh, life of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, what good amid these, O oh, me, O oh, life? Answer, that you are here, that life exists and identity, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. Powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? As we embark on a new year, it's not about resolutions. It's not about setting goals. There's nothing redemptive in resolutions or goals in and of themselves. They're good. They're good things. I'm not saying don't do them. There's nothing redemptive in them in and of themselves. As we embark on a new year, my prayer is that we begin or continue to contemplate what it means to be created in the image of God and how much God, in the oneness of the Trinity, desires relationship with us and what it means to never be alone, to never suffer alone that the all-vulnerable God is for us, and how living out of that mindset can completely transform our relationships with people in our lives and thereby transform the communities that we live in. The powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.